0: You know, you get a real glimpse of the humanity of Daniel in that passage. You you see in verse 27 that Daniel was overcome and he was sick to his stomach and he laid in bed for a few days. It kind of felt like me when I read this passage and realized I have to preach this this Sunday. Oh my goodness, this is a, a difficult, difficult text. But nonetheless, we wake up and we go about the king's business. We go about the things that God has called us to with the mindset that God has called us to, to the reality of what he seeks to accomplish through his plans and his purposes in us. And so what what I want to do right now is I want to, I want to ground us in the reality that God wants for his church today. And really, the way we are grounded in what God wants for his church today is we look back at what God wanted for his church yesterday. What God wanted for his church historically. What God wanted for the church, for the people of God through this prophecy of Daniel. and And what I want to do is I want to point forward to a New Testament scripture to get us there. All right, let's come under this scripture right here. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture from Genesis to Revelation, it's all his. It's all breathed out by God. And do you know what Paul says to Timothy? It's profitable. It's good. It's given for a purpose and a plan. And that purpose is, and a plan is that we would be brought under God's word. We would be submitted to the jurisdiction of the authority of God for our lives. That's a genuine work of the Holy Spirit here today. Like right now, that can, and I believe will happen to his church in this room today, just as God's Holy Spirit worked that some 3,000 years ago, almost, through this prophecy of Daniel. Daniel wrote this prophecy in order that God's people would come under the jurisdiction of God's Word God gave Daniel the vision and you see that it really wasn't for Daniel it was for the people of God it was for the people that would be going through the difficult times of evil that would be brought on by the enemy Satan and that they would trust God, submit to God, and walk with God in those difficulties. That God's word would correct, reproof, train them in righteousness, and equip them for every good work. To understand God's perfect plan and purposes. Life is a journey, is it not? When we get ready for a long journey in our family. Let's say we're going on vacation, which doesn't really happen with kids under seven. I'm wondering if it gets different when they're under eight, but it's a a trip, right? We're getting ready for a trip. And so we get the kids ready. We put them in the car. We've got everything loaded. We're driving. And let's just say we're going a 10-hour trip to the mountains from here. Um, And so we, we, we get driving, and then an hour into the trip, maybe even before that, somebody says, uh, are we there yet? Are we there yet? No, no, we've just gone for one hour. Are are we there yet? (laughs) It's really important for the kids to know about how long this is, but they really can't grasp it. But they want to know that there's going to be an end to this drive time. And so my daughter, Adeline, asks it in a way that she can understand it. We, we got this van with a DVD player now. And she says, how many movies do we have to watch until we get there? <laughs> how many movies do we have to watch? And so they are picking their movies and trying to figure that out. And so in, in a lot of ways, the reason I bring that illustration to light is because they want to know the end of time. And when God's people, though, were going through much difficult time under the brokenness of evil, they needed to know the end of time. The time was coming soon. This time of evil and persecution and suffering would have closure. If you've gone through difficulties at any level, you want to know, is there an end in sight? Is there an end that's coming? Will this one day be brought to finality? And this is what God's people needed to know because they were gonna go through these difficulties and God sought to guide them and to show them that there will be an end. There will be an end of time to where your suffering will be no more. And this prophecy is actually quite fascinating. Because every word that Daniel spoke came true. Every word that Daniel spoke came true. And history confirms it. History confirms it. That Daniel was spot on in the dream that God gave him that would transpire some 400 years after the dream for God's people. So, we're reading this passage and you see there's a ram and a goat and here we are talking about livestock. I just see this ugly-looking ram with blood on his teeth and ready to do some damage uh, uh, to overtaking anything that it possibly can. And then you see a goat and it's not your nice cute petting zoo goat. It's a goat with four ugly horns. In fact, it's got one at first and then it multiplies into four and then there's a little Horn that turns into a big horn and you're like if you saw that at the petting zoo It's like kids get out of here get out of here. The ram and the goat are about to fight. Let's get out of here It was actually a pretty scary vision that was going on And in fact, I think it might be easier for me to teach this to the kids ministry than us because it's really hard for us to see What God wanted us to see because God is giving us a picture Daniel says, I saw, I saw, I saw, I saw. And we see that word repetitively over and over again. I saw. And what Daniel wanted for his readers to understand is what he saw. And this is what we're coming under today is what Daniel saw and what came to pass. And then what it means for us today. How do we walk in light of evil and suffering at the hands of the enemy in this world. This is the turbulence of God's church. This is the turbulence that's happening in that day. This is the difficult times. And when we take that principle of suffering and evil and destruction and persecution and and we transfer it into our lives today, we have to ask the question, that God wanted for them to understand and to live out of, is how do we walk as God's children in the midst of suffering and evil and persecution? And how do we have our eyes focused on what God wants us to focus on? And this is, this is the picture that Daniel gives us. So I want to give a, a real brief look back at Daniel 7, because it it plays into Daniel 8. Micah did a wonderful job with this, and last week we shared about this vision in Daniel 7 with these four more hideous-looking creatures. There was a lion, which represented Babylon, which was the kingdom that Daniel was living under at that time as an exile from Jerusalem in Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar and later on King Belshazzar. And Babylon was a great and mighty nation that didn't think that, that that didn't see an end to their power, but God did, and God showed Daniel the end of their power, and he showed him these four creatures that almost look like they're coming from these Greek mythology books, but it was transferable and understandable to Daniel and the people of God in that day of time. There was a lion, and then there was a leopard. And the leopard represented Greece. Or, I'm sorry, there was a lion and then there was a bear. And the bear represented Meadow Persia. And then after the bear, there was a leopard that represented Greece. And after the leopard, there was a monster that represented Rome. And what you see, if we look back historically, is we see those... Images; those pictures come into reality as Babylon was overtaken by Medo-Persia, Medo-Persia was overtaken by Greece, and Greece was overtaken by Rome, which ushered in this work of Jesus to bring restoration of all things under the Roman Empire. And he was the king that would come and crush all the kingdoms of this world. So this prophecy is really important for us to grasp and understand because as we come under the prophecy of God, we come under the reality of who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ has done for the restoration of his people. And in this vision, you, you, you can't really talk about those four creatures without talking about the ancient of days. The ancient of days in Daniel seven, thirteen, and fourteen. You see, this Ancient of Days, there's this divine courtroom that's taken place where the kingdoms of this world that have done harm are under the judgment of the Ancient of Days, the King of Glory. And he is bringing them to account. and He's judging them alongside of the people of God that have been persecuted. And they're coming under his judgment. And not only that, they come under his judgment. And then the Ancient of Days brings to power a new king. A new king that's had power from all time. And he says in Daniel 7, Behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like the Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. This dominion is an everlasting dominion which should not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Listen, Daniel wanted his people to see that they weren't a part of the kingdom in Babylon. They weren't a part of the kingdom in medo Persia. They weren't a part of the kingdom in Greece. They weren't a part of the kingdom of Rome, but they were a part of a kingdom that has a king that is a king above all kings, the authority above all authorities. And they were submitted to him and they would rule and reign with him and as they ruled and reigned with this king they re- would realize that this kingdom that they're a part of is one that will not be shaken it's an everlasting kingdom and th- isn't that something that we have to be mindful of today temperatures can boil because of this candidate or this candidate And we could think that somehow the kingdom of America is being shaken right now to the fundamental core because this person or this person becomes in political power. No, the ancient of days simply says that that person is but a character in a play that is written by him and for him. And so we shouldn't shouldn't be surprised when these things come to light, the church shouldn't be surprised when persecution and suffering comes. We could look back and we could read the scripture, we could say, "No, God said this would happen." And when the recipients of Daniel's letter received that letter, they could look back and say, "No, we see that God told us this was going to happen." So I want to get into a little bit of, of the dream you see there's a a ram and the ram has two horns and the two horns represent the alliance of the two kingdoms that become one kingdom at that day the smaller horn represents the the weaker kingdom of medea and then the larger horn represents the larger more powerful kingdom of persia and this becomes an alliance to where they take over much of the known world at that time period. And they are at the height of their power. Now, Daniel is in this vision. And the vision of, of Daniel 7 was in Babylon. The vision of Daniel 8, he's like transported into another place. He's by this canal and he sees the citadel. And so he doesn't, he's under King Belshazzar of the Babylonian Empire at this point. And as he's transported over into the, this new area, it, it becomes evident that he's not in his place, but he's actually in the capital of medo Persian. This ram is doing some destruction, and it's going northward and southward and westward. If you look at the history of the medo Persian army and the medo Persian advance on the known world at that time, you will see that it's true. And this, and this ram is destroying everything in its path. And it says in the last verse of that section, verse 7, he did as he pleased and he became great. Nothing could stop this ram. Nothing could stop this ram. It did as it pleased and it became great. And if you look back at Daniel 5, you see that Belshazzar who was in power in Babylon at that time period, saw the writing on the wall. And that night, Daniel was able to interpret the writing on the wall and tell him what was going to take place because prior to that happening, God gave him this vision. And Daniel gave the words of God that were written by this divine and holy hand of God in judgment on Babylon and on Belshazzar. He says... Your days are numbered. You've been found wanting. And your kingdom is divided. And that night, the Medo-Persian army came into Babylon, went straight to Belshazzar, executed him in the leadership team, the advisory board, the cabinet that was in place. And they set up shop and they became the kingdom in Babylon at that time period. And so this is the ram. And then we see that from this ram it goes to a goat and the goat has one horn and the ram and the goat go head to head not the petting zoo fight that you've seen when you take your kids to animal kingdom no they go head to head it's ufc and so they clash and the ram's horns are broken and they the ram's horns are broken and it cannot withstand the power of the goat. Now, there's a woman her name is Joyce Baldwin, she writes this. The sight and sounds of the horns breaking typifies the brittle and fragile nature of political might. The sight and sounds of the horns breaking, they're brittle They're hollow and they break. And what it does is it gives us a glimpse of what real power is there in political might. What real power is there in the kingdoms of this world? What real power is there really of the election cycles? Now, I'm not telling us that we should be ambivalent towards these things, but I'm saying that our hearts shouldn't be encompassed by them. And as our hearts are encompassed by them and we begin to lose sleep and have anxiety and all these things based upon who's going to become president, who's not going to become president, which political party's in power, what we've seen historically, even in our nation, is that political nature is fragile. And to put our hope in that is dangerous. And the same thing is true of the people of God. In these kingdoms that were transferring of power. Because if you put your hope in Babylon, you're going to be crushed with Babylon. If you put your hope in medo Persia, you'll be crushed with it. You put your hope in Greece, you're going to be crushed with it. You put your home, hope in Rome, you'll be crushed with it. And God was seeking to tell his people that you're a part of a greater kingdom. And how the mighty fall. When they realize they're just a character in a much bigger story. All those kings met the king and they came under his judgment and another character in the story that emerges here is alexander the great alexander the great is the king with he's the little horn at that the the first conspicuous horn at that time period and he was at 20 years old given the keys to greece and nobody thought that he could do it. Nobody thought that he could even bring the country together in unity. There was really almost a civil war in Greece itself. But our Alexander the Great came in with power and decisiveness. And he brought together Greece. And together, Greece overtook the known world at that time period. He was educated by Aristotle At 26 years old, he overtook much of the known world. And then at 33 years old, he was killed by a mosquito. He was given malaria. This great and powerful ruler that we read about in our history books, Alexander the Great, was a mighty man that fell by a little bug. It's amazing and you look at the plans of God and how fragile this life really is. And then at the height of that greatness, which we see here, Alexander dies and his heirs couldn't hold the keys to the kingdom. They didn't have the same power and might that Alexander the Great did. So the kingdom went in four different directions under the four generals that, were, that had the power at that time and it was split in four ways. And then later on, we see that there's another horn that Daniel talks about that rises to power and that grows. And some 400 years later, after Daniel gave this prophecy, we see the rise of another king that has his eyes faced towards the glorious land. That angel Gabriel says he's the king with bold face. He's the prideful king who takes the fight directly to God. And his name is Antiochus Epiphanes. Antiochus Epiphanes was a man who believed that power was came from himself. He was a man who wanted a pure Grecian culture, a Hellenistic culture to come up. And so when he conquered Jerusalem, Antiochus Epiphanes force the Jews to abandon some of their cultural practices. Now, here's the problem with that. When you force the Jews to abandon their cultural practices, you're forcing them to abandon God because these cultural practices, such as the sacrificial system, such as the priesthood, such as circumcision, were commands that God gave them. And so in wanting this pure Grecian culture, Antiochus Epiphanes, killed 100,000 Jews. When we see Daniel talking about the host and the stars, Daniel is talking about how God's chosen people, the ones who are to shine brightly His greatness, are those whom this evil, wicked kingdom attacks. And Antiochus Epiphanes believed that he was God manifest. He had coins printed that said God manifest because he truly believed he was the image of God. Not the Jewish God, not the God of Israel, but Zeus. And he went into the temple and he desecrated the temple by bringing an object that the Greeks revered of Zeus and sacrificing a pig, which was not kosher to the Jews. And so he destroyed the temple. And there is a revolt at that time period. There's a book that is not in the Bible, but is very powerful for history books called the Book of Maccabees. And it's known as the, the Maccabee Revolt, led by a man named Judas Maccabean. And this revolt that took place came because the destruction was so significant. The destruction was so severe. And these Jews held on to God's covenant, held on to God's command. And as they held on to God's commands, they fought for, uh, they fought for what they believed in to be true. And as they fought for that, you see that God's favor was upon them. And later on the temple was restored. And it was a successful endeavor. And the reason why the Jews celebrate Hanukkah comes from this time period where the festival of lights represents the light of God returning to the temple. And this actually prophecy points forward to something greater. The reason why Christians don't celebrate Hanukkah is because Christians realize that There's a light greater than the lights, but there's a light of the world that would come. Because even though they would one day come back to the place of Jerusalem under the rule of God, Rome would overtake it. And even though Rome would overtake it, we read in the book of Luke that in the days of Caesar Augustus, there was a decree. Listen, there was a decree And this decree was that everyone would turn to their place that they called home. And it led Joseph to bring the Virgin Mary on the donkey to register in the city of Nazareth where Jesus Christ was born, who is the King, who is the light of the world. This is the prophecy that God wanted his people to see, to prepare for. Not that we could set up shop and call this place home, but we're part of a much greater kingdom. Because even today, the turmoil in Jerusalem shows us that if we put our feet planted in this world, we are going to be on shaky ground. But if we rest on the rock, Jesus Christ, we realize that we have a savior. And that savior is the one the ancient of days has given power and authority and a dominion to. Listen, friends, this is the word of God breathed out by him so that we would know Jesus Christ. The prophecies of Daniels were given to us so that we would know Christ and him crucified. And angel Gabriel in verse 25, speaking of Antiochus Epiphanes, says, "By his cunning, he shall make deceit prosper under his hand, and in his own might he, he shall become great. Without warning he shall destroy many." I want us to look beyond what we see into what we don't see. I want us to ask, why was this happening to Israel? Verse Chapter 9, verse 11 of the book of Daniel says, All Israel has transgressed. Your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice and the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. Listen, the reason why Israel is in this predicament at this time period is because they have sinned against God is because they have sinned against the God who has made them his people so that he would rule over them. And they've broken the covenant by their disobedience. They've broken the law of God. They walk in rebellion against God. And so God uses evil purposes for his glory in order to restore his perfect plan over his people. And so God's, this is God's judgment over Israel. Because of their transgressions, as it says in Daniel chapter 8. Because they were transgressors of God. God disciplines his people so that they would know that he is their God and they are his people. It's the reason I discipline my, my children. It's because I want my children to have what's best for their life. And so they're coming under the judgment of God so they would be brought near to the one Jesus who would restore them. The judgment of God is the blessing of God upon God's people. But we also see that the evil that arises in that moment is the spiritual warfare of the picture to come. Ephesians chapter six, verse twelve says, For we do not wrestle against the king or we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The real wrestling that's going on here isn't with Antiochus the Great, Antiochus Epiphanes. The real wrestling here is the wrestling with the people of God. And the enemy, Satan. Because Antiochus Epiphanes is just a picture of the Antichrist to come. He's against God's people, he's against God's plan, and he wants to set up shop for his glory and his glory alone. Which, by the way, Antiochus Epiphanes died of another very horrible death. And then we see later on through his history, People like Stalin and Adolf Hitler, who are a type of antichrist, who come against God's plans, who seek to bring destruction. And then what Jesus points us to in the book of Revelation is that the enemy Satan will set up shop and seek to bring this cunning and craftiness in order to deceive God's people to follow after him, to follow after their idolatry. Spiritual warfare is a war for our worship. Spiritual warfare is a war for our worship. God wanted so desperately for his people to worship him and him alone. And the sacrificial systems, the priesthood, circumcision, represented their heart in covenant with him. And so the transgressions of their sins was brought to light through the evil destruction of Antiochus Epiphanes. Just as at the end of time that the book of Revelations, Revelation points us to is the cunning craftiness of Satan seeking to deceive us to not follow after the Lord, but to follow after the enemy and the idolatry by which he encapsulates our hearts. And so I think it's important that we see this dream and we look to today what God desires to do in purifying his church. Where and what do you worship? How has God at work in your life, what have you given your heart's affections to? Because the the thing that God wants us to see At the end of this Is that we need Jesus So desperately His church was Under the wrath Of God We as God's people Can be under the wrath Of God If we don't cry out to Jesus For hope And the crying out for Jesus Is to do what we cannot Which is purifying ourselves There was a sacrificial system that was in place that would later become abolished. And the book of Hebrews tells us, and every priest stands daily at his service. So the priest stands before man and God offering sins for man so that they would be reconciled to God. He says, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So, so Jesus came to the altar and he didn't af- offer any animal sacrifices. But Jesus came to the altar himself and offered himself as the single sacrifice that would reconcile man to God. And this is what we should see as we look into this passage, is that no matter what took place, Jerusalem was wayward. Israel was wayward, but God brought them near through the King of Kings that would come and restore Jerusalem to the city of God that we see in the book of Revelation. And so the question for us today is, how do we wait? How do you wait on God? Maybe you're like my daughter when you're on the trip and you say, how many movies do I have left to watch? How do we wait on God? How do we know that the end of time is coming to a close? Do you seek to take The things that God has shown you in your life And the difficulties that have taken place The evil that has taken place And and, and do you seek to On your own strength Come up with your own plans In order to Overcome those things Or do you find yourselves On your knees in prayer Saying God help me Because the picture for Jerusalem And the picture for God's church today Is that we would focus on Jesus Christ who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of God. What Daniel could only see in part and which caused him to be appalled, sick to his stomach, Going to bed for days is what we see fully. That Jesus Christ has done what we could not. He has reconciled us into right relationship with God. That he is our God and we are his people. And that the kingdoms of this world and evil will not prevail. But under the sovereignty of God, God will use them to bring about his hope hope in his redemption and his restoration. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we can come under your word today and come under your jurisdiction. And Father, like Daniel, we might struggle with a passage like this. Like Daniel, we might struggle with a vision like this because God there's there is harm there is evil. There's trying to understand it. Father God, there's looking at our lives and seeing that, God, even our lives, evil can reign. Destruction can happen. God, even our sin can bring it upon ourselves. Lord, I pray that you would help us see the king who is high and lifted up. The one whom the ancient of days has given all power and authority to. The one whom, God, we as a a people look to for our help, for our salvation, for our hope. The one who crushes the kingdom of this world so that every tear would be wiped away and mourning would be no more. Father God, for each of us, we need God to know what you're doing in our life, through our difficulties. Holy Spirit, I pray in this time we would draw near to you because you have drawn us, because you are near to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. The church says, amen.